Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, September 19th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Thursday, that can mean only one thing. 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting Steve Wiltfong is here. Steve, how are you today? Good morning, Daniel. Doing great. How about yourself? It's a beautiful day here in the Indianapolis suburbs. Sending that good weather down I-70 towards Columbus, stopping through Dayton as usual. It has been wonderful here for a few days. We've got more temperate spring days than usual. As Steve and I sit and talk about getting ready for the show, it has been difficult lately because Ohio State recruiting, let's not say it's quiet, but it certainly isn't the furious run through our nation's talent that it was early on in the cycle. It seems like a few of the guys they have left on the board are at some specific positions, one of which is defensive end. If you go to Ohio State's target list, meaning guys that are still in the mix or the highest guy on there is Elias Ricks. That's a topic for another podcast. Tyler Barron is on there. Tennessee standout. He plays a position everyone wants to see additions at. That's defensive end. Can you bring us up to speed on Tyler Barron? What do you think of him as a prospect? And then the chances that he lands in Columbus as one of the last guys in this class. Yeah, so I got a chance to see Tyler Barron at the Nashville, the opening regional this summer, and he's a he's a six foot five, two hundred fifty two pound specimen uh, that brings versatility and toughness to the point of attack. I've talked to a couple sources about Tyler Barron that say different things. Um, one source believes that. Um, although Tyler's dad is at Tennessee right now in an off-field position, that maybe Kentucky and Ohio State are in a better spot. Tyler took an official visit to Kentucky the weekend of September 13th, uh, this past weekend for the Florida game, and, and had a good visit. He also took one to Oklahoma back in June. Um, he's got the one scheduled to Ohio State in October. Uh, but I talked to another source that was a little more pessimistic uh, regarding Ohio State's chances anyway, and Kentucky saying that, you know, if Tennessee were to go, and this was before Tennessee had won a ball game, 0-12, you know, they still thought Tyler would end up at Tennessee. So uh, he plays at Knoxville Catholic in Tennessee. Uh, his dad's there, obviously. Jeremy Pruitt's a defensive-minded coach. Tennessee's staff does as good a job of staying connected with their prospects as any uh, in the country. Um, but Tyler's been to Ohio State before. Uh, he's coming back for an official. And uh, they're one of the top top schools for this young man. And so we'll see what happens coming out of his official visit. Is the Tennessee staff, uh, which means his pops, in danger of losing their gig this year, you think? No, I think didn't we talk about this last week? I, I would think that after two years, it would be hard to let go of a coach after after two seasons. Um, not saying it, it it's not impossible, um, but I just it's pretty. There, there's really no past reference point to point to to say. All right, it happened here, so it can happen here. It doesn't doesn't mean someone won't be like the first or second to do it. It's just I'm not in the line of uh, of saying second year programs are on the hot seat. Um, and I don't think that like Tennessee is. I, I think that they've 
they've lost some games, but it hasn't looked the same as Florida State from my vantage point of just like I feel like I can still see see some things at Tennessee where they're like showing improvement. Um where Florida State they just haven't their culture's not in place yet still, it doesn't look like. I'm not a big or avid Paul Feinbaum show listener. But yesterday in my car, I listened to it for a few minutes, and it was Tennessee fans calling in to discuss Greg Schiano and what it would have been like if he was the coach. So there's some regret down there in uh, Tennessee, and things are not going well. So let's hope Ohio State can get Tyler Barron to come. College football uh, is fickle. Tennessee can knock off Florida. I mean, college football is so emotional. I said fickle. It's so emotional, and it's a roller coaster. And if Tennessee can play well in Gainesville this weekend, all of a sudden, you know, no one's going to be calling for anyone's head, at least for one week. Down at Auburn, you got people calling for Gus Malzahn's head every other week. Right now he's fine, but lose to Texas A&M this weekend. And people will forget that he's beat Alabama a couple times. And I know that there's – I know that people can nitpick. You can nitpick almost any coach in college football not named Nick Saban, you know, and People even find ways to do that, or Dabo Sweeney. Um, is Gus Malzahn a Hall of Fame coach? I'm not saying he is, but Auburn's been pretty successful with him at the helm. They just haven't been Alabama. What's your expectations? Your program's never been Alabama. There's been years where y'all have beat Alabama and have been better than them, but as a whole product, you, you're not Alabama. So to hold Gus Malzahn to that standard, I don't think is fair. But it's easy for me to say that. Living up here in Indianapolis. It's also easy for me to say it here when our coach is, uh, has a career record of undefeated and there's no complaints. But I yeah, digress. he'll never lose. Exactly, ever. Speaking of big games and ones that have attracted our attention, obviously Ohio State, I don't even, I was telling someone the other day, I think this game, hosting Miami, may be the most lopsided game. I was trying to put it in context. I said a decade because that's all I can really remember because I'm getting old, but I really don't remember a game that was just this silly, partially because I think the Ohio State defense is here to play this year. If it was last year, I'd probably say Miami would get 20 points. But Well, let's talk about Ohio State real quick. I mean, they're so efficient on both sides of the ball right now because of how well they're playing at the point of attack on both sides. The, just the dominance in the trenches is really allowing this football team to suffocate opponents or pull away from them. And really, it, it, it's been impressive. It's allowed fields to be efficient. And Ohio State, they can hurt you in so many different ways when they have the football and Ryan Day's offense is perfect for Justin Fields with these quick hitters getting their athletes out in space. And and, uh, the defense has just been terrific. The linebacker plays better this year. Uh, The secondary is loaded as usual. Number four rush defense in the country right now. Uh, um, And and Ohio State's played some decent opponents now. I mean, Cincinnati, they're pretty good. They kicked Cincinnati's ass. I mean, it was a bloodbath. And, um, this Miami Ohio game, I just, I just, I'm with you. I think the Buckeyes are going to take them apart early and roll and everybody. Uh, this is the this is the game where everybody on the bench gets a shot to get some time. I think. Well, it's timed perfectly with the new redshirt rule. My prediction is Marcus Crowley is going to rush for 150 yards in the second half. 
But obviously, the biggest game in the Big Ten this weekend, and there are a couple other ranked games nationally. Auburn heads to Texas A&M and probably the marquee game of the weekend, and one Buckeye fan should be steadfastly paying attention to for its college football playoff implications is Notre Dame at Georgia. But the Big Ten at noon, Michigan State at Northwestern, which is slightly interesting. Michigan at Wisconsin, very interesting to me. If Michigan goes in there and gets their ass kicked, I really think there's going to be serious issues at Michigan going forward in terms of the overall program view. The media is going to crush them and be all over Harbaugh because it also sells papers. Your thoughts on the game this weekend, what you think will happen, and the possible repercussions as such. I do think Harbaugh is the most scrutinized coach in college football. I also think it's partly because he is a lightning rod. He's quirky. Um, uh, and that's uh, um, also because he'll say what's on his mind, even if it's confrontational. And the only people that will agree with him publicly are the Michigan people, even though sometimes behind the scenes, even Ohio State fans have to be like, man, that guy's got a point. You know, like um, he – he uh, he definitely is a he definitely is a viral guy. Um, Wisconsin hasn't played anybody yet. I mean, they beat USF and they beat Central Michigan, and they beat them soundly. They've still yet to give up a, a point this year. So obviously, they're number one nationally in scoring defense. They're number one nationally in rushing defense. They're number one nationally in passing yards allowed. They're number one nationally in team pass efficiency defense. They're number one in third down conversion defense, and they're number one in red zone defense. So uh, they, they've they uh, they've done what they're supposed to do against the, the teams that they've played against so far. And, and then obviously uh, behind Jonathan Taylor uh, and an offensive line and new faces, uh, they, they've been able to play their style. And Jack Cohn's really uh, played well uh, in the first two games as well. I wasn't really a believer in Jack Cohn. I'm not saying that I'm a believer yet. We'll see how he fares against a Michigan team that I think is going to be ready to play. Shea Patterson's been playing hurt. Uh, they're missing some pieces on offense. Um, they've had a turnover problem. I mean, they had three fumbles against Army in a game where you're going to have limited possessions anyway. Uh, obviously, they were lucky to escape that ball game uh, with the win. Um, and, and you got to salute Army uh, for playing hard and, and uh, making things difficult on Michigan, but Michigan was certainly making it much harder on themselves with, with those turnovers. So they'll have to play better. They've had a bye week. Uh, it's good for them that they're playing Wisconsin at noon instead of 8 o'clock. Uh, Fox's Big Ten schedule is helping the away road teams this year for the most part with their marquee games. They're planning them for noon for the most part for the TV ratings, which isn't good for the recruiting standpoint uh, for some of these schools that are in the middle of nowhere trying to get prospects to campus. Wisconsin is going to have a big recruiting weekend with a lot of the Midwest best coming up uh, for this one. Um, I don't know who's going to win, Dan. Uh, We still don't – Wisconsin hasn't been tested yet, and Michigan hasn't played played as well as they would like to yet in in, in both of their ballgames. But I still think that they're pretty talented. And if Shea Patterson was able to get healthy over the bye week, um, I think he'll play better. Um, I'm going to predict Michigan because I have to pick, predict somebody. I think that they're the more talented football team, um, and I think that they go up to Madison and get it done. 
This is one of those games I really think you'll have a sense of what's going to happen pretty early. Michigan can either stop or contain Jonathan Taylor, or they can't, and that'll determine the game. I just think it's very interesting from a national perspective, whether it's justified or not, if Michigan loses that game, it's going to be a cluster F up there. Not, not saying that bothers I mean, me too much. they got to get Nico Collins involved. He's a young man. That you hear coming out of Ann Arbor how talented he is. And he hasn't really been a, a factor. And, and, and if Michigan's going to beat a team like Ohio State down the road, it's going to be because they're getting big plays from Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who hasn't played yet. Um, because Ohio State, they're going to be able to be – Ohio State's going to be a team this year that will score in a hurry. Um, and they're going to be – they're a team that's going to be capable of putting up a big number in, in every ball game. And, and I really think that under Jeff Halfley, this is a defense that we're going to see get better each week as well. And, and there's certainly a ton of talent on that side of the ball. So uh, Ohio State is a very legit national title contender, as we all know. Uh, Michigan has personnel to play at that level, but they're just not doing it right now, and and we'll see how this team continues to evolve uh, this year up in Ann Arbor. I mean, no disrespect to J.T. Barrett, but there were times when he ran the offense where we felt severely limited. Since Haskins was inserted, and now with Fields, I just don't see how you're going to stop the offense. Fields adds that running element that Haskins didn't have which just makes the offense even more dangerous. I mean, you can debate whether it's more dangerous in the long term. 50 touchdown passes puts a lot of pressure on you. I get that, and they're kind of doing it in different ways. The point is the offense has been effective. It's the defense that's the difference. It's, I mean, I think you could make the argument in terms of prospects for the NFL, and they use a term called cleanest. I think Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda are the two cleanest prospects to come through Ohio State, and I include all Boses and all New Orleans Saints millionaires in that group. But let's finish it up here. Henry Gray has been a very interesting crystal ball ride. There was some talk about this on the boards. At one point in time, you thought he was headed for Ohio State, much like a Florida prospect and only Florida prospects. His crystal ball has turned many times. You now have it on Nebraska. So the Henry Gray, obviously, is not coming to Ohio State deals pretty much locked up, in your opinion? Well, I never had him crystal ball to Ohio State. And if you remember, that was actually during a period of time where the front row was pretty feisty, and I didn't have very many Ohio State crystal ball picks in at the time. And I was saying on the board that I thought Ohio State was in a good position for Henry Gray. Um, and people were asking why I hadn't crystal balled that one. And it was because I didn't know if Ohio State was pushing for the young man. I had known. I mean, yeah, it was obvious Henry liked Ohio State. But just because you're a good prospect doesn't mean you have a spot. Ohio State, the number four recruiting class in the country, the line is long for there to, to get inside the Woody as it is for a few of these other major college programs. And I didn't know if uh, um, if it was going to be like the uh, – why am I – forgetting the name of the bar from Saturday Night Live, the, uh, the uh, you know, where the dudes are standing outside nodding their head trying to get in. What the hell is it called, Dan? The uh, uh, the, the uh, Roxbury. And I didn't know if he was going to uh, get into the, the oh, Roxbury. Oh, Night the Rock? Night, night yeah. the Roxbury? Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to get into the club. And I don't think he, I don't think he did. <laughs> um, 
but there's a, there's some other, you know, popular bars or clubs that would love to have Henry Gray uh, in their football program. I don't know if this is a good analogy for college football, uh, but I think people understand where I'm going with it. And uh, um, so I never crystal balled him to Ohio State, and I never bought Penn State either. Um, I never crystal balled him to Penn State either. My first crystal ball pick on Henry Gray was a recent one to Florida, and I honestly just looked at this Nebraska one as a token visit and then he would go to Florida next weekend, and then that would be all she wrote. And, and Florida next weekend is not Florida this weekend. And he's still going, and he could, you know, he could still end up a Gator. But for me, when readers come to the site, I just want them to know that I think that Nebraska took the lead, and that's the current pulse the way I see it. Could I flip my crystal ball back to Florida on Sunday? Yes. Will that bother me? No. Does it bother some of our users? Yes, because our users – Something, there's a few users that think this crystal ball is like a life or death serious thing where it's more it's for you to know what we think today uh what or, or that's at least that's the way i use it other people play the long game what whatever what have you um but um for me a young man if i think that there's a change in the recruitment or hell if i just think I know something, but it's wrong, and then I get some better information later, and then it changes my thought on it, I'll I'll, I'll change it, man. But I always kind of chuckle when people get so pissed off about the crystal ball changes. It's like, man, we're, you know, we're just trying to bring you guys information and uh, what we think of the current pulse, and then not making picks up either. I mean, I've been here nine years now. You know, I want my pick to count for something for you users to know that this is what I think today. I'm not just trying to drum up clicks. We're a pretty popular website as it is. Uh, We don't need any uh, BS clicks. There you have it, people. A window into the mind of Steve Wolfong. A wonderful way to finish up the show. We'll have more Ohio Statey talk next week, obviously, as the Buckeyes are ready to head for Lincoln in a huge game with the Huskers. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.